So I'd like to talk for a few minutes about working with emotional states or sometimes difficult states of mind in our meditation practice. The point of working with these states isn't to get rid of them. I think I said this earlier. It is, it is to understand these states, how they come to be, what holds them in place, but allows them to release. So that's a kind of a shift that's helpful to contemplate as we engage in working with difficult emotions or difficult states of mind, that a, a, an attitude or an inclination of curiosity about these states, not an attitude of wanting to get rid of them, but an attitude of interest is supportive. So bringing an interest to these difficult states of mind. When I was on retreat uh, with Saida Utejaniya in Burma, uh, I spent, the first time I was there, I spent six and a half weeks with him. And, oh, I don't know, maybe a week or so into the retreat, I went into his, uh, his room for my interview and said, I'm seeing a lot of defilements. And he said, that's right attitude. And for me, that was such a refreshing approach to these states of mind. I mean, there's been, at least in my experience, and I think as meditation teachers, often we, well, we talk about working with these states of mind, these difficult states, the reactivity, but underlying it, there seems to be a subtle way that we are saying the effort is to get rid of these or that we are trying to settle the mind past these states so that you can get down to the real practice. And with Saito Utejaniya, I got the, the strong sense that no, he was actually really, really interested in my understanding of my difficult states of mind. And that was um, reflected in our interviews as well with other people, all of the interviews with uh, Utejaniya are group interviews, about 10 people at a time. And hearing people talk about what's going on for them, what, how they're observing their reactivity, how they're working with their reactivity, it just frees up this whole idea that these are something to get rid of and turns it instead into a, an interest, a curiosity about, well, how does this come to be? And with just that shift, there's a, a big... Um, movement towards non-reactivity about these states of reactivity themselves. That may sound like a little bit of an oxymoron, but it is possible to be non-reactive while observing reactivity. That essentially what we're doing is we're looking at the mirror, you know, the mirror of mindfulness, the reflecting power of mindfulness can reflect anything, including reactivity. It's almost like we can think about every experience as having two sides. It's got the knowing side and the thing that we are knowing. And that uh, thing that we are knowing might be reactivity. It might be um, anger or aversion or it might be greed and excitement. The knowing side of that can simply reflect it. And the more we learn to understand and appreciate this 
knowing quality of our mind, this reflective quality of our mind, the more we um, gain the benefits of the, that reflective quality of our mind inherently has some beautiful qualities. It's inherently non-reactive. Like a mirror, it simply reflects. So if you have a mirror, it's, you know, it doesn't care what's in front of it. The reflecting power of the mirror is unchanged by what's in front of it. It equally reflects a beautiful landscape and uh, a dead body. Equally, the, the reflecting power of the mirror is unchanged by what it reflects. Likewise with our mind, the, the capacity of our minds to know what's happening is, it doesn't care. That aspect of our mind that simply knows what's happening simply reflects what's happening. And as we more and more touch into that aspect of our mind, we see that the, there's kind of a natural balance or equanimity that goes along with that reflective power of the mind. So as we, you know, in, in these two things coming together, the, the difficult state of mind and the knowing of it, if we can recognize that we are knowing the difficult state of mind, it gives a little bit of a distance. And we can reflect that difficult state with a balanced mind. Just be with it. And that's like that taking off the lenses and looking at them instead of looking through them. So often, um, Saira Utejaniya will say, nothing I tell you is something to do. It's actually just kind of supposed to, when, when I talk about things, it's just information. It's just kind of to settle, to percolate through your mind. You don't have to try to do any of the things that I'm talking about. And that's that I am going to say in the next few minutes some things that sound like are things to do around emotions if they get challenging or difficult. But hold them lightly. This, these are set of things that having heard about them, they may occur to you as things to uh, work with in your meditation practice. If that happens, that's great. If not, you know, don't worry about it. You don't have to try to think about, well, what were those three things she said about working with emotions? Just, um, just let this filter in and then if you have a, a difficult emotion in your practice, some of this may arise for you to work with. It's grist for the mill. So the kind of basic work when there's some difficult state arising, a difficult emotion arising, is to allow there to be that kind of curiosity to investigate what's happening around it. You could ask yourself some questions around it. What's happening in the body? How does it make me feel? And then kind of recognize what thoughts come along with the feeling. If there's a lot of thinking around the feeling, it's often helpful to uh, see if you can not engage so much in the thinking as opposed to um, just kind of recognizing that there are these thoughts coming up, that there's a way that you can just recognize these are thoughts, these are just thoughts. 
These are, these are fear thoughts. These are anger thoughts. These are frustration thoughts. These are greedy thoughts. These are excited thoughts. It's also really helpful to check the attitude, particularly if it feels like there's a struggle with around the emotion. If you are working with a, a challenging state of mind, um, it's really helpful to check the attitude. You might find resistance if it's a particularly challenging state of mind. Resistance is a very common attitude that uh, sometimes goes unnoticed in a way in our meditation practice because we are so focused on the meditation and being with something that we don't notice that we're resisting being with it. So if you, if you check in and you notice that there's some kind of a difficult state of mind and you check in what's the attitude and you feel like, well, wow, I really don't want to be paying attention to that, that's resistance. And the, it's, it's really more helpful to open up to that rather than try to force yourself through to be somehow be with the difficult emotion when resistance is really the kind of what thing that's what's happening. I often like to think about or talk about the, the, you know, the way our minds are is kind of composed of these layers of experience. And many people have this experience of themselves that you know, within a state that they know something is going on, there's a sense that something's underneath it deeper. And uh, there's often a feeling or a sense of, if I could only get to that thing underneath, then I would figure this out. And so there tends to be a kind of a, a digging or a, a trying to figure out the thing that's underneath it, as opposed to just being with what's obvious about the state itself. So that kind of just meeting the obvious about some difficult experience. Over time, as, as we meet and just kind of touch the outer layers, what seems to happen is that, you know, you, we're, we're seeing it from different perspectives. We see our experience uh, of, say, anger, you know, if, if you're experiencing something like anger. Over and over again, looking at that, you may see different ways that it makes your body feel, or it may, you may see different things that trigger it, or you might see um, a kind of a mood or a holding on to that anger, a kind of like, yeah, I really want to be angry. So there may be different things that you see around that anger the longer that you look at it. And some of that may start to reveal something that's underneath it. You might start to see, oh, there's actually some sadness here just by hanging out with the obviousness of it. No need to kind of pick it apart or pry it apart, just meeting the obvious. And then the way I like to think about the attitude, if we think about our experience as being this kind of sphere of layers of you know, stuff, and we're just meeting the outer layer, just what's obvious, the attitude is often something that's actually going on that we're missing, that's actually a larger layer. So that resistance, you know, there's, there's this anger going on and there's resistance that's not really being noticed. And that's actually the, the outermost layer of what's happening. And if we, in the checking the attitude, recognize, oh, there's resistance happening, 
it becomes within the field of experience. And then just recognize, well, what's obvious in my experience now that I have noticed this resistance? Again, there's no need to dig or try to get rid of the resistance. We can observe resistance without resistance. So again, we're not trying to make resistance go away. We're trying to understand. So this is an, this is an act of understanding that we are engaging in. If, the, if a difficult state of mind is um, particularly sticky, if you feel like you keep getting kind of stuck to it, or um, that it just feels like it's, it's just hanging on for a long time, or you feel like your mind is trying to figure it out, it can help to, this, this does sound like something to do, and you know, I think if it occurs to you to try this, go ahead and try it. Um, if you feel really stuck to a difficult emotion, it can help to kind of open the awareness to what else is going on in your experience besides this difficulty. In any moment of experience, there are hundreds of things, if not thousands of things going on. And this difficult experience is just one of the things happening. So there's, there's hearing that's happening. And there's body sensation outside of the emotion that's happening. There's um, potentially other thoughts and moods that are happening. So opening up your field of awareness in a way to kind of just see, well, what else is going on? Not to push away that difficult emotion, but to put it into a larger context, essentially. To, to put it into a context that there's many, many things going on here right now. So what else, what else is happening here? Oh yeah, there's the, there's the feeling of warmth on my skin, and then there's the pressure of my butt, and oh yeah, there's that anger, and now there's the feeling of my knee pressing down against the cushion, and the sense of my hand, and then there's that emotion. So that it's, it, it becomes more, it's like that, that emotion gets put into a larger container in a way. I've often also found it helpful with particularly sticky states of mind to keep track of or to just notice, you know, when there's a sticky quality of mind going on. Um, just basically one of three states around it. So, for instance, if you're experiencing loneliness, um, you may just at times be experiencing that loneliness and not, there's not particularly a problem around that, just the pure state of loneliness. Then there might be times when that loneliness is there and you really feel caught by it. So there's, you feel the stickiness of the loneliness. So that's, that's two ways of, it's essentially when we're having an emotion, whether we are reactive to it or not. Just noticing that difference in the mind. When there's an emotion present, are we caught by it or are we at ease around it? So that's two aspects of working with a strong emotion or one that seems to be particularly sticky or one that seems to come up over and over again. The third thing to notice about that kind of emotion 
is when it's absent. Notice when it is not there. So, you know, if you're working with a very habitual pattern of loneliness, noticing when you're caught by it, noticing when it's, when it's present but you're not caught by it, consciously recognize when it's absent as well. Highlight that to yourself. This is what it's like to not be lonely. That piece is actually really, really powerful. It's, it's surprisingly powerful to recognize that because it seems that some of these habitual emotions, some of these sticky emotions, there's a sense of identity around, a sense of ownership around those emotions. And what this recognizing the absence of the emotion does is it begins to poke holes in that identity. We recognize, oh, here I am without that emotion. Here's, this, here's what it's like to be without that emotion. So that's very helpful. Then there's um, another way to work with some difficult states of mind is by using reflection. And this aspect of the Utejaniya style is quite different than most mindfulness practices, where you're actually using thought in the mind to support the meditation. And I've suggested some of this already through um, you know, checking the attitude. What's my attitude? Through using um, questions, what am I aware of? Not as things to think about, but sort of as a way to drop it into the meditation and see what happens as you orient your mind around a question. As the mind is oriented around a question, it kind of naturally, in a way, takes in information <laughs> almost through the perspective of that question and may begin to understand things in a way that it didn't understand them before. So this use of questions is kind of just a way to incline the mind towards some understanding, but letting it go at that. You don't need to think about it. If you, if you find yourself thinking about these questions, let go of the questions. Just don't, don't go there for a while. Did, um, did some of you try, I think it was in the guided meditation before lunch, I suggested uh, using the request, may the body relax, may the mind relax. Did that have an impact for any of you? Did you notice a difference? Yeah, so it's, it's like it's not anything you need to do. It's just you, you put that, kind of drop that in to the mind stream and see what happens. These questions, these reflections are like that. So um, you could reflect, ask the question, what purpose is this, emo- is, is this emotion serving? And again, not to think about it. Or, is this emotion necessary? So those are two, that, those are two kinds of questions in terms of, uh, that would support a kind of investigation of the emotion through this essentially inclining the mind towards understanding an aspect of it. So in, in one case, what purpose is this serving? You know, there, there may be, that may get to something, something that you haven't seen that's kind of underneath that emotion. It's also possible to use reflection um, 
to, to incline the mind towards wisdom, to incline the mind towards a deeper understanding of the, uh, the process of the mind and the body. So for example, um, you could use the reflection, this is impermanent, just as a way to recall that truth. This state is impermanent, just, just recalling that. This will end, this has an end. A couple of other reflections uh, that align with the truth of experience, one that Utejaniya suggests and that I have found extremely helpful is this is nature. So whatever is happening in your experience is a natural phenomenon. It's, it's just what has arisen based on causes and conditions. It has come into being based on your history of experience in your past, the, sit, the state of things coming into being in the present moment. It's this, just this confluence of events that has created what has happened here in this present moment. It's no different than uh, a tree growing out of a seed, that there are natural laws that allow that process to happen. You plant a seed, and the appropriate conditions of water and sunlight and um, warmth and moisture will allow that seed to naturally, based on just the natural laws, to grow into a tree. Essentially, that there's just this stream of causes and conditions that have brought this emotion into being. It's just like a tree. Oh, here's a phenomenon that's happening. This is nature. For me, that use of that phrase, this is nature, kind of brings in the whole notion of uh, impersonal conditions coming together. So it really kind of supported a, a letting go of me trying to do or manipulate or, or adjust or fix. But just, this is nature. It really allowed the mind to relax. It seems to allow the mind to relax around the experience. Another one, um, a reflection that you can use, this one is I offer from the Buddha. He suggests that, that you can reflect, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am kind of as a way to align your mind with that truth that these emotions that happen, all these difficult states of mind that happen, they're just simply things that come and go. They are not who we are. And this helps to remind us of that, of that fact. And that also, the, uh, the noticing, the absence of that emotion also supports that recognition. This is not who I am. If it were who I am, if it, if it were who I was, if it were who I am, I'm not sure the correct grammar there, <laughs> then it would always be there. But it is not. Here it is absent. So this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. Then the last piece I'll bring in around working with difficult mind states is. Um, Sometimes these difficult mind states are, can be overwhelming. Um, 
they can, let's say the power of that, those mind states, the momentum of the, those mind states is stronger than the momentum of our ability to be mindful of them. It's like we have a small wave of mindfulness and a tsunami of anger. So it swamps our uh, attempt to be mindful. And even just turning our attention to it, almost just, it just gets, we just get sucked into it. What I find most helpful in that state, this takes some, uh, some discernment on your own mind to recognize, okay, if I try to bring mindfulness to this, I just get sucked into this black hole of this emotion. So maybe it's not the time to pay attention to this. So if you find that an emotion is overwhelming, if it, if it swamps the, the, your ability to be mindful, See if you can consciously turn your attention to something else in your experience without aversion to the thing that you're turning away from. This is like a skillful ignoring of the state to just turn your attention to something in your experience. Something neutral in your experience is helpful. I found that neutrality is, is helpful rather than trying to find something pleasant because if you're trying to find something pleasant, it's like that part of your mind which is struggling is going, no, don't do that to me. <laughs> you know, I, 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 this, this is important. You better pay attention to me than pay attention to that pleasant thing. So the neutral thing seems to be something that is easier to turn to. So paying attention to your feet on the ground. Hearing is a great door to open to when there's difficult emotion. I usually do not recommend that people pay attention to their breath when they're experiencing a difficult emotion. Um, in my own experience, and it seems like for many people, strong emotions have a lot of physical experience in this part of the body. And if that's where you're trying to pay attention to your breath, if you're trying to pay attention to your breath somewhere in your torso, it's likely that you'll just get pulled back into the sensations around that emotion and just get pulled back into that emotion again. So I found it helpful to cultivate, for difficult states of mind, to cultivate something that, that's really neutral, that's not in the vicinity of the main place where emotions are experienced in the, in the torso. So feet on the ground are good, butt on the chair, something grounding, hands. Hands are pretty, have pretty good sensation. Hearing is good. Um, so something that will allow you to really move away from the emotion. But again, not, not trying to stop that emotion. This is, it's not an act of trying to get rid of it or stop it. It's more like you're saying, okay, you can do your thing in the background. You can, you can just do your thing. I'm just going to turn my attention to someplace else. Kind of like ignoring a, a child or, or putting a child in their room for a timeout. You know, it's just like, you do your thing in there and we're just going to, you know, be calm over here. So it's just, it's just a redirecting of attention. It's helpful to stay mindful in, in that space, though. If you, if you let your mind just drift, if you, if you just try to distract yourself um, through some fantasy or some non-mindful activity, it's likely that the power of that emotion will hook into your non-mindful state and just take over again. Um, so it's helpful to see if you can stay mindful or be mindful of something um, 
neutral that allows that emotion to kind of do its thing without your being engaged with it. So, um, I right now I have um, it's scheduled for 45 minutes sitting. Um, and I'd like to ask whether your preference would be a silent sitting or one that begins with a guided meditation. So uh, just a, a show of hands, who would like a silent sitting? And guided meditation? Okay, so um, the guided meditations have a, a little bit of a stronger voice this time. The next sitting will be silent. Um, and it won't be a long, a long guided meditation to begin with. So let's do a stretch for a moment before, before beginning the guided meditation.